This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Wallace dips inside and hits. Oh, what a goal! Right, that is from Ross Wallace. Chris Waddle, is he going to have a crack? Stephen Fletcher back towards Adam Rich! listening to the Wednesday Till I Die podcast. Hello and welcome to the Oppo's View. I'm your host, James Mappin. And in this episode, uh, this is where we speak to someone from our next opponents and get an insight into their team, their form, uh, the players to watch. And of course, obviously nail them down to a score prediction at the end. Now I've got a double game week this week, if, and it's a big if, uh, they both go ahead. Uh, we're joined by Josh from Speak Sunderland, head of Thursday's game against Sunderland, and Ole from Salopcast, head of Sunday's game and the first in the new year against Shrewsbury Town. Now, we'll speak to Ollie later on, but first of all, uh, Josh, um, obviously, thanks for joining us, and uh, how are you, mate? You all right? Very good, mate. Yeah, yourself? Yeah, all uh, all good. Uh, like I said in the intro, um, if the game yeah. goes ahead. Now, we've not played in, well, in what seems like ages. We had the hmm. the, the uh, Accrington game that was uh, postponed. We've had the game on Boxing Day against Burton, and that's been postponed as well. So, uh, yeah. yeah, fingers crossed. Thursday's game uh, goes ahead. Yeah, I think we've been quite lucky this season with their performance. I don't, other than the international games, um, which is kind of a given at this point when we're in this league. I think every season we've had multiple games in hand. Um, but in terms of COVID, I don't think we've actually had any games postponed. I say oh. that as if we've just had Fleetwood postponed um, on the second, <laughs> but I think that's the first one for us this season. Yeah, well, we've just, like I said, just the just those two that are being called off. But uh, but yeah, hopefully hopefully no more, because like I say, it's been crap without any, uh, oh, any no. football. Now, um, obviously, before we talk about like your recent form, um, now you've been in League One longer than you perhaps uh, expected. Have you yeah. obviously found it found it tougher than what you first thought? Yes and no. You know, I think it's fair to say the standard of League One isn't particularly amazing. Um, And you you see some of the teams that have got promoted from this division. I always look at Luton um, and Barnsley, who at at the time I don't think were particularly great teams. You know, we played them obviously during that season. They got promoted and they didn't impress that much. But again, neither did Wickham in the season that they got promoted. Um, It's definitely harder than I thought it would be. Um, you know, the first season we had a very good squad. We had, you know, former Champions League, Premier League players. We had a new manager in Jack Ross, who was obviously new to England. Um, and that was probably the most disappointing season to date, um, given the, the position we were in. Um, I think there was, I think we had three games in hand on second place and we were two points behind them. It was something along them lines. Um, and obviously we all know how that one ended, but it, it's definitely more challenging than I think many Sunderland fans thought it would be. Yeah, I mean... You know, last year, obviously, you got to the you got to the yeah. playoffs. I mean, with that, uh, with that scene is obviously a, a big failure not to get promoted. Was that kind of the year that you thought this is when we're going to do it? Um, given that Phil Parkinson was manager for a long part of that season, I don't think anyone really expected anything from the season. I think when Johnson came in, he did improve us. 
But obviously with Johnson and with any manager, you are going to go through a tough spell, which we did towards yeah. the end of the season. And I think with the run that we had with Parkinson prior to him getting sacked, you know, I, I, I don't know the exact numbers and how many games we lost or how many games we didn't win, but it almost made a, an impossible job for Johnson when he came in because there was no margin for error. Um, and that's ultimately where we fell short. And obviously the away tie against Lincoln in the playoffs um, wasn't a particularly pleasing game to watch. I think we were a better team in the second leg. Um, but obviously they we went two 0 up quite two 0 up quite early in that game and you know the crowd was up for it, the players were up for it. We were winning every challenge, winning, you know, every second ball. But as soon as they got their goal that obviously put them back in the lead in the in the overall tie, the atmosphere just kind of dropped a little bit, the players' levels dropped a little bit, and it was kind of a sense of here we go again. Yeah, I mean, from the like, from the outside looking in, um, obviously you've had new owners. Obviously, the, I'm not I'm not saying his name because I'll probably do him for some disservice. But <laughs> uh, you know, obviously the youngest chairman in England yeah. and what have you. Obviously, you know, the manager in Lee Johnson. Um, it's, it's, it looks like things are certainly heading in the right direction. Like the style of football that you play in. You know, yeah. obviously, you know, you, you know, like us, well supported, but you know, regularly getting like. 28, 29,000 fans at, at mm. Stadium of Light. So do, do you think things are heading in the in the right direction at the moment? I'd say so, yes. Um, obviously, there's still a long way to go and, and still a lot that needs to be done both on the pitch and off the pitch. But, you know, from when Kirill came in, everything he's done just seems to make sense. You know, the play, the people he's brought in, obviously brought in a young manager in Lee Johnson who, who'd done a decent job at Bristol, not a spectacular job. Um, we brought in, obviously, Speakman, who was the, I think he was the man that, brought in, I say brought in, kind of founded the Jude Bellingham at Birmingham. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he came in and helped the young players and obviously helped the recruitment as well, which has been very good this season. You know, we went from signing, I think it was 36 or 37-year-old Danny Graham, who already failed the first time round, to signing <laughs> players like Dennis Serkin, who, who at the time Tottenham fans were questioning whether he could be in their first team. Um, you've got Niall Huggins, which we signed from Leeds as well. So we've signed a lot of good players, a lot of young players, a lot of promising players. And I think just everything from, you know, from the signings, from from the backroom staff and just the match day experience as well, like just little um, like advertising regimes and stuff like that. We're getting it right. Um, whereas for so long under, you know, the previous owners like Stuart Donald and, and Charlie Methven, we just didn't get it right at all. Yeah. I mean, how, how are the, the fans and yourself took to Lee Johnson? I mean, obviously when he was appointed, what was the what was the like the noise coming from from the fans, et cetera? And, and what's it like now? Um, I think when we got him in, I think everyone was kind of excited about it. Because, um, you know, like I say, he's a young manager. He's, he, he brings something different to the managers that we've had in the past. Yeah. Um, he, he brings a style of play, which is something that other managers haven't had. I'd say didn't have, you know, uh, Phil Parkinson certainly had a style of play, but it wasn't a particularly pleasing or effective one um, for League One. But when he came in, you know, the, the optimism was quite high. Obviously, we've went through a tough run where we obviously lost 3-0 to yourselves and, and Rotherham. Yeah. And as, you know, with, with clubs, when you've got such a, a clear target and where you want to be, as soon as you kind of go off that a little bit, fans do start to get a little bit unrest and, and settled and start questioning things, possibly a little bit prematurely. Yeah, you, mean, you mentioned style of play there. I mean, obviously, when you came to Hillsborough, it looks like you want to get the ball down and, and play football at, at yeah. all costs, really, you know, playing out from the back, which every team seems to seems to try and do, you know, emulating Man City, but never quite never quite yeah. getting there. Um is is that the case? Just get you know, play good, attractive football and try and play the other teams off the park? It is, yeah. And obviously this season again we've had a lot of injuries, which seems to be a very common theme at Sunderland, not just in our time at League One, but just in general. You know, I think we forgot Looking at the players we've got injured now, we've probably got a full start 11 out injured, which I wouldn't yeah. put it past that start 11 to finish top six in this league. You know, you've got the likes of Aidan McGeady out injured, Nathan Broadhead, yeah. who's just picked up an injury and he looks like he can be out of the season. He's a very good player at this level. We've got some good players out injured and it, I don't want to say it's a blessing because it's not, obviously, but the players that are playing now um, were playing at less strength. You know, you've got the likes of Dan Neal, who I'm sure we'll get onto at some point, who, who's, you know, probably been our most important player this season. Um and the, the only kind of negative that I've got about the style of play is there's times this season where it hasn't worked. And I think Rotherham and Sheffield was a very good example of that, where we do try to play it out from the back. But when we realise we can't, we don't change that. And I think, yeah. like I say, we conceded five against Rotherham just before we played you. 
And a lot of them goals were from playing out from the back and losing the ball in our own half. They came back at us. And I think that's the only slight criticism I'd have of Lee Johnson is he doesn't seem to learn quick enough from his mistakes. Yeah. I mean, you've mentioned him there, Aidan, Aidan McGeady. Obviously, he's someone who, uh, who we know about five years ago. I think we had him on loan from yeah. uh, from Everton, played a, played a handful of games. I mean, obviously, he's just looking nice. played... Well, what over over hundred games for for yourself scored a, a hand, you know quite a handy amount of goals for you as well. I mean, is he a, is he a big miss uh, for for Thursday? Honestly, this season I wouldn't say so. Um, I think in previous seasons, you know, if we didn't have McGeady, you'd probably be looking at I'd take a draw at the game because that's how important he was at the time. Yeah. Obviously, last season we had White and McGeady, where I think most of the goals was a case of giving it to McGeady. He'll cross it to White, he'll head it in, and that was how we scored our goals. But we don't have that over-reliance on any player in the team this season. Okay. Um, and I think Omar McGeady, obviously, is still a very good player at this, at this level. You know, he's getting on a bit. I think he's 36 years old now. You can yeah. see he's tiring a little bit. And I think one of the main, you know, attributes that McGeady had would be to kind of square up to a defender, knock the ball past him, and then get the ball first, put it in the box. And with the fact that he's lost his legs, he doesn't seem capable of doing that as often now. And obviously, with full-backs in this league, they are pretty quick at times. Yeah. He, he loses the ball more often than not this season, I would say. Yeah. I mean, well, let's just you know, dip into your, to your recent form. Um, I mean, I'm just looking there, obviously, the the 3-0 defeat to us was the last time that you uh, that you lost. So, you yeah, yeah. think eight, uh, eight games since then, eight games unbeaten. Um, you've had, um, what, three wins in your last uh, in your last five games as well. I mean... Um, is, is things starting to starting to click? I mean, you had that little bit, little bit of a blip, didn't you? Where you lost three games on the on the bounce, but but yeah. since then, you, you you obviously you're up to second in the league. It's, it's, it looks like you know, I think that your touch turns to turns to gold at the moment. Yeah, and I'd say we, we went through a similar patch at the start of the season, which I think is why there was so much focus on where we went through the bad patch. You know, I think if a team starts the season poorly and then gradually increases, improves during the season, it's kind of normal. You can see progression, but. We started very well, playing good football. Players seemed to be on the same page as each other. Um, we went through that spell where you know we couldn't string a pass together, couldn't really do anything, and then we've picked up form again. And like you say, everything just seems to be clicking into place at the moment. Um, we're second in the league, which I'd say comes as a little bit of a surprise at the moment, given how many injuries we've got. Um, you know, we've still got no fullbacks. Well, two fullbacks have just come back from injury. Obviously, Hume and Serkin. Um, we've got no right backs at the club anymore that are fit. Um, O'Nion's just been out for a few months Huggins um, Broadhead's just been ruled out for the season so when, when you take into account the amount of injuries and the amount of I think we've got three players missing with COVID as well for this game um, yeah. it, it's pretty good going but I think a lot of it will come down to who we can bring in in January as well yeah, I mean, it looks like you're scoring for fun as well. Again, you know, last time yeah. you didn't you didn't score was uh, was against us. Um, so maybe hopefully that's a, a bit of an omen for uh, yeah. for, for Thursday. <laughs> uh, I mean, um, yeah, you've mentioned him already. Dan Neal is, is someone who's who's caught the eye and, and looks like, looks like he's gained you know Premier League interest as well. Yeah. I mean, how good has he been for you this year? And you know, how much of a future does he have? Uh, to be honest, Dan. He's been our best player this season. I think anyone would realistically say that, which when you take into consideration, this is his first ever professional season. Um, I don't think he made any first team appearances, certainly not in the league last season. It is impressive. Um, you know, he's still very young. We've got him tied down, I think it was a five-year deal, which again, going back to what we said about, you know, the new owners and, and how they're kind of changing what they're doing, that wouldn't have happened in the past. He'd probably been sold in January for... £500,000 to like a, a championship team somewhere. Um, so the fact we've got him tied down to a contract, uh, good news for Sunderland as well. Um, but, you know, we played Arsenal in the Cup. Granted, we yeah. got beat 5-1. Um, all in total, I don't think it was actually a 5-1 game, that one. But he didn't look out of place against, you know, Premier League, Champions League, former Real Madrid midfielders. Um, he's a very good player for this level. And I think it is quite easy to get carried away when you've got a young player coming through the academy and, and you do kind of overhype him a little bit. Um, and we've been, you know, we've done that in the past with some players, but I think Daniel is probably an exceptional lad because I think he is really that good. Yeah, I mean, we've mentioned it a few times. Obviously, uh, the reverse fixture. Obviously, you you said you was uh, you were there at Hillsborough. <laughs> um, well, yeah, so when you when you look at your your results this season, it looks like it was a bit of a anomaly. Although you did that was a third of um, you know three defeats in on, on the spin. I mean, ahead of that game, um, I must admit, you know, when we were playing yourselves, I were a bit. 
skeptical in terms of you know you've just come off the back of a five-one defeat. I thought you know yeah. you'd be on on the on the rebound kind of thing. You know sometimes you know when, when good sides get thumped, you know only the the hungry for the for the next one. But I mean, was it a, from your point of view? Was it a case of you being poor, or did, or did we did we kind of surprise you on the day? I mean, my my initial thoughts, you know, after the game were we were a bit too physical for you. And we, we're generally yeah. not like that either. We were just kind of first to every ball and hard tackles. And you looked like you had quite a young side that that day. Yeah, I think it was the same with Rotherham as well. I think a lot of people look back at, especially the Rotherham game, not so much the Sheffield game, um, but especially the Rotherham one. It's just a case that we were outstrengthed in you know every position of the pitch. And, you know, a lot more physicality, a lot more aggression, a lot more desire, to, like you say, to win that first ball, to win that second ball. Uh, and when we went on that one, we we just didn't, you know, we just couldn't win that first ball, couldn't win the second ball. And this wasn't just against Rotherham or Sheffield, who were obviously two very good teams in this league. We lost to three League Two teams as well during that spell, um, okay. where it was the same against them. And, you know, these were, again, these weren't top League Two sides. These were, I think I think it was Mansfield, who I think were in the bottom half of, of League Two. Um, I think Oldham was one as well, who again, bottom half of League Two. So I think confidence as well. Obviously, I think that's a word that gets thrown around in football a lot. And I do think that does play a big part in performances and results um, in football. So I I think it was a mix of, you know, not having that, you know, aggression, that desire to win the ball uh, and just really low on confidence as well. Yeah. Um, Now, in terms of like, you know, the the style of play and and formation, how how does uh, Lee Johnson normally set up? Is it a case of, he plays the sit or tries to play the same formation and same style every every week, or does he chop and change? Because you know, um, we Dar- Darren Moore, he's known for making changes. He, he makes. I don't think there's been one game where he's not made uh, less than two changes uh, week on week. Um, formation changes as well, and there's been times where players have been playing in positions where you're thinking. Where's he playing? You no, know, when, the, when yeah. the team when the team sheet comes out, and um, he does kind of ch- chop it, you know, change his style of play according to um, you know the the opposition that we're playing. For example, when we played yourselves, we were a lot more physical than what we've what we've normally been. Maybe that's a, because he's looked at what Rotherham did and and tried to try to do exactly the same. But what what's Lee Johnson's uh, approach? Is it a case of we'll just play the same style and? hope that that's good enough to beat us or, or have confidence in that or does he kind of match up against the opposition? Earlier in the season, I think he, he was kind of, he was a manager that would change based on the scenario um, yeah. and, and change the formation, change the personnel. But at this current time, I think realistically, looking at the players that we have available, we, we have 11 starters, essentially. We don't really have too many options to change the formation or to change the way we play. We've got two attacking wingers playing at wing-back. Um, which is ironically their best performances of the season in, in Gooch and Dayaku that haven't really offered much attackingly when they've played in attacking position, they've been dropped to a wing back position and, and offered more offensively. Um, so in terms of the way we play, you know, the one thing that I noticed, especially when we've the games that we've lost this season against Rotherham against Sheffield was I, I think at that point, I'm not sure what it is now, but most of the games we'd lost, if not all of them was against a side who had wing backs and, you know, like to spread, spread the play, get balls into the box, you know, play that one, two out wide. And since we've changed that formation, obviously, I think that was probably just about after the Sheffield game, we've went on a very good run. Um, and I think that's the type of formation, the, the style of play, which matches the players that we have now the best. Yeah. I mean, in terms of expectations, what were your expectations at the start of the season is that, has that changed? Obviously, now you know you sit second, only a couple of points off uh, off Rotherham, who were who were top, and have obviously you know they've lost um, their first game in yeah. in a while now. And I said, as, as, what were your expectations come the summer, and, and what what are they now? Realistically, I think every Sunderland fan, I, I don't know if expect is the right word because it does come across as somewhat arrogant. But, you know, when, <laughs> when you're a club like Sunderland, you can say you can say it. When, when you're a club like Sheffield Wednesday and Ipswich, you know, you've got some massive clubs in this league. Essentially, the expectation is to get automatic promotion or at least promotion in some sense. Yeah. Um, and I think every season that you don't achieve that, it does kind of intensify. So, you know, with this being, I think it's our fourth season in the league one now. There is, you know, a mountain expectation of getting promoted, um, and I, if we didn't get promoted this season, I don't think it would be catastrophic. Um, depends on you know how we kind of assess the situation in the summer and and how we kind of adapt to that. But 
you know, I think I, I just want out of this league. Um, it's almost know, League One's almost becoming like the National League in the sense yeah. that there's that many, you know, quote unquote big clubs in this in this division that want to get out of it. But yeah. there's only so many that can get promoted. Same in the National League, where yeah. well, it's even worse there, where only two only two teams come up and yeah I, th know, I think the thing is well it, get, it get, obviously it gets harder every season because there's a championship club will get relegated every year and yeah. um, you know there's a high flying league two club will, will get promoted every year and although they don't tend to do particularly well I think Bolton have done you know fairly well after getting up um, but you know when Wickham come down Rotherham come down you know these are playing championship football they've essentially got some championship players um, it, it gets harder every year so the longer you wait to get promoted the less likely you are to get promoted yeah, I mean, in terms of uh, injury concerns, you say you've got like nearly a full, a full side out. Um, is there is there any you know new injuries uh, that you that you've got? I know you've mentioned a few have got COVID as well. Are they are they some of your first team starters or are they just? Uh... Um, not really. I think uh, I've seen people say we've got three COVID um, cases at the club. I, I couldn't name three of them. Um, I know one of them is Aidan O'Brien, who is our, our second striker, um, but he, he hasn't played too much this season. He's, he's been primarily a cup player. Um, the only injury recently, which has been a massive concern, was against Arsenal, where Broadhead um, like pulled up a little bit. He was out for three months now, um, which is you know realistically the end of the season. I think he I think he had six goals in six games at the time when he got injured. Yeah. And he was you know a key player. Um, to the way we played, you know, we get the ball up to Stewart, who were knocking on the broadhead, and everything kind of stemmed from them too. Um, but you know, we've done fairly well against Doncaster, obviously in the last game without them. Granted, Doncaster aren't a particularly great side <laughs> yeah. this year. Yeah. Um, but you know, some of the play that we had, some of the you know, some of the passing, some of the set pieces, and just little things like that, which Broadhead was so integral for. We've kind of managed without them, um, but God forbid. I hope we don't get any more injuries now. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah, where um, it's, it's it's a strange one for us. Like I said, we've not played since I think it was the what 14th, 15th of December, something like that. We've um, no the last two games have been postponed. Uh, we've had COVID cases in the camp, although nothing's been said of who's had them and how many. So it's going to be a you know a bit of a you know the team that he puts out on Thursday. If the game goes ahead, um, yeah. I said I couldn't. I couldn't tell you who it's going to be or what what kind of what strength side it's going to be or who's even trained in the last uh, in the last couple of days. It's all a bit. Um, everyone's been keeping hush hush and you know quite quite rightly so uh, with everything that's been uh, everything that's been going on. But um, yeah. you know before uh, before I let you go, uh, I just want to nail you down to a to a score prediction then. Um. It's it's always a difficult one when you've been battered in the in the reverse fixture and lose three 0 Bit but, of payback. Yeah, hopefully, you know, I'd, I'd quite happily take a three 0 uh, at home. Don't think it will be a three 0 but I think we have. Well, I know we have the best home record in the league, and I think I could be wrong on this, um, so don't quote it. Um, but I think we have the best home record in the AFL as well, um, in terms of the games that we've won and the points we've picked up. So hopefully that continues. Obviously, be you know 30, 31, 32,000 there on Thursday night, I'd imagine, and um, possibly a little bit less actually because it's a midweek game. But it, it all comes down to how well Sunderland start the game. You know, if Sunderland start well, maybe get an early goal or put some early challenges in. You know, the crowd will be up for it. If the crowd are up for it, the players start going for them first balls and second balls, uh, and it just changes the dynamic of the game. Um, but I mean, is, it, is this a, is this a game that you kind of look forward to? You know, at the start of the season, obviously, you know, it's been a few seasons since we've since we've played yourself. But I'm guessing, you know, do you prefer these bigger games as opposed to like the games against your Fleetwoods? And you know, obviously, no disrespect to to those. Yeah, um, I think it depends on the result, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if we if we lose three 0 again, I don't think I'll be looking forward to a similar game again. But. Uh, it's these kind of games where you know where you are as a team and where you are as a club. Um, you know, it's all good going out there beating Morecambe 5-0 and, and Cheltenham 5-0 and Doncaster 3-0. But, you know, they're the games that you kind of expected to win. Um, you know, th there's not too much pressure on, on Doncaster or Morecambe or Cheltenham to go out there and, and win. Um, Sheffield will be a very tough game as we was when we played them in, in Wigan and the likes of the teams that will be up there and probably be up and around the playoffs or possibly the automatics as well. Um so I think it's just one of them games where it will be one of the biggest tests we've had yet, um, especially at home. But like I say, if someone start well, I'd like to think at least. Um, 
it, it would result in a Sunderland win. But like I say, I'd imagine it'll be a close game. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously the battle of the uh, unbeaten runs. Obviously, we're, we're on a 12-game unbeaten run, which I think is the... You know, after uh, after Rotherham got beat, it's the the current longest unbeaten run in the yeah. top five or six six, six I divisions. Had, I think it was twenty one games for them, wasn't it? It were twenty one games. Yeah, that's uh, you know that was a a good run. But I was surprised to see that they're, they're not. You know, I haven't gone twenty one games unbeaten. That they weren't far you know further ahead than what yeah. they actually were. You know, you're what two points behind them now? I think I think um, in it's second a, place. It's but, a point now. I think it is. It's a point, is it? Yeah. So you know, I thought they would be a lot further ahead, but you know, where where twelve twelve games unbeaten. I mean, all right. I think seven of those have been draws and, and only five wins. But uh, and you know, you're you're eight games unbeaten as well. So it'd certainly be a be a big test, and um, yeah, it's certainly one that I'm uh, that I'm looking forward to. If if it goes ahead, it which, goes I, ahead. which yeah. I hope it does, uh, having uh, having recorded this uh, this podcast, um, Josh. Thank you very much. Before you before we go, uh, where can where can we find you on your on social media and etc.? It'll be at Speak SCFC. Um, we always do different competitions and giveaways, which not just for Sunderland fans either, just for everyone. Um, we've got some shirts going out as well in the new year, which you might fancy look at. Raise Good money stuff. for the Bradley Lowry Foundation. Um, no problem. But drop us a uh, yeah, drop us a tweet and tag us in it, and we'll we'll be sure to get involved in that. That's yeah. uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Great, Great stuff. Fun, Brilliant. Nice one. Cheers, Josh. Thank you very no much. And, um, good luck for Thursday. But I always say this, but hopefully not. Uh, yeah, not too <laughs> hopefully much. not too much. Yeah. <laughs> Fan- fantastic. Cheers, Josh. It's fun. Cheers, mate. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Now we're joined by Ollie from the Salop cast ahead of Sunday's game against Shrewsbury Town. How are you, mate? You all right? Yeah, very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Now, um, I'll jump straight straight into it. I mean, well, before we talk about your like recent form and you know what happened last year, etc. Salop, that's the the nickname. Um, for those that don't know, where does that come from? Because on on the face of it, it sounds a bit unusual. Yeah, it sounds like maybe we're chanting, chanting salad, salad. It's not. It's salop, salop. Um, yeah, salop is a um, has a few different kind of. It's one of those words that has a bit of um, debate. Um, some people say it's a word for Shropshire. Some people say it's a word for the area around Shrewsbury. It's a. I um, mean, they say it is a, a Roman Latin word for the area. Um, okay. So yeah, it's been used quite a lot. Um, so you'll see salop. A lot of businesses in Shrewsbury called salop, and yeah, it's got quite a long history um, with the club. So yeah, it's a chant that we'll just chant randomly sell up sell up fair enough fair that clears that one up anyway now um obviously you know in recent years it looks like you've cemented yourself as a as a league one club over the recent years you know your seventh consecutive season at this at this level i mean are you are you pleased in the in the direction that the club is heading in the general direction off the pitch and we're probably and then obviously not in, in terms of scale, but in terms of if you had to give us a rating, we're probably up there with the best run clubs in the division. Yeah. Um, we turn a profit. We lo- we always aim to lose a bit of money, about half a million a year. Um, but we all, we've in the last few years, um, we've um, invested in, we bought a proper training ground and we've um, kitted it out. You know, we've, built bought loads of you know all the gps and video cameras analysis all that kind of stuff um so we've really invested off the pitch yet like the trade the ground itself like we've really invested in the, in the in the in the pitch and it's a really really good setup we've got so in terms of how we are run as a club and we're really really well run you won't see shrewsbury town fans you know you know demanding the club goes into debt yeah 
um, it's fans are quite fans understand that you know we're gonna we're, we might lose profit here or there, but we normally try and make that up through player sales. I was about to say is that, is that, cut run. Yeah, I was about to say is that is that down to player sales, like bringing yeah, bringing so we've young been kids to, through and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So we've got a really good we've got a really good track record in recent years. Um, Ryan Woods, um, who plays um, for Cardiff, um, came through our youth system. We nabbed him from Warsaw when he was a kid. Um, Connor Goldson, who plays for Rangers, um, came through our youth system as well. And we've got quite a few young goalkeepers that came through and kind of went to like champ- other clubs as well. Um, so there's a few like Callum Burton came through our youth system as well. Um, and then we've also got um, a couple of other players coming through at the moment as well. So Tom Bloxham's a really good player to keep your eye out on. He's an 18-year-old striker. Um, so yeah, we've got a good record. And also just signing players as well. So like John Nolan, we signed um, and Toto Enciala sold then to Ipswich for one and a half million. So we may kind of... Um, some good cut runs in the last five years um, and yeah. plus some player sales means that we're able to turn a profit. Is that something that as a fan you're, you're happy at doing or would yeah, you, would you, yeah, or would you prefer really, to, to keep those types of players? You know what I mean? I've got quite a strong view on clubs that go into administration I think should be kicked out of the league. Like I'm Cheers. sick and tired. <laughs> but I'm sick and tired of it. Like remember, remember once we, we lost on a, we lost on a player to Darlington when they just built that new stadium, yeah, they gone into the they gone into. We didn't sign a striker. They signed a strike striker of a hundred grand, and two months later, administration. Like if you're a Barry, if you support a team in, in League Two, and Barry got promoted, and then they went to administration, and you know you look at like loads of clubs um, who come into administration, and then they end up spending ten k a week on a striker the next season. So yeah. Derby will be the same. They'll come down to administration and then they'll lose a load of money. Like half the division this year is probably going to lose millions. Yeah. And for me, it's just not sustainable. And it just seems doesn't seem right that you don't pay local suppliers, you don't pay local businesses. Um, you know, you even charities and St. John's Ambulance famously doesn't get money from clubs who gamble. Um, and then and League One is just you know, full of failed football clubs. Yeah, don't get Half wrong. the division is full of clubs that can't manage themselves yeah. and have fallen and kind of didn't make that Premier League gamble. Don't get me wrong. It's not something that obviously we're, we're proud of, you know, where we'd much prefer to um, to not be in that situation. And, not and it must be really harsh yeah. as well. So it's really, so it's, you see both sides. You know, I've got a really good friend of mine who's on the board at AFC Berry. Oh yeah, and um, he's you know he's done loads of work to kind of get them round. And you know, I don't know what your view is, but it's not your fault that you've got a crazy chairman. I remember reading an article up on the Athletic in the summer um, by your correspondent for the Athletic. Yeah, and man, whoa! <laughs> I thought yeah. you were so you were such a. I thought that there's you know maybe an outside shot to go down again because you hear how crazy the club has been run and kids have been influencing manager choices. <laughs> yep, yep, you've, you've, you name and it. That's not your fault, is it? You've got, got no say on that, have you? Well, you've got ex- Oldham. Exactly. But the thing is, you know, you go back to 2015-16 season where we got to the playoff final, you know, it was an absolute legend, you know, he's pumping money into the club and this, that and the other. But obviously, you don't hear about all the things that go on behind the scenes. No. You don't, you know, obviously what happened where we gave people massive contracts, long contracts as well. We couldn't get rid of them. He never sold his pl- the players when we had, when we got bids, bids for players as well. So uh, obviously he had that dream. We you know we got to the playoffs twice, obviously final once, and then the semi final the second time. Um, and then after that, it all came tumbling down because everything kind of went yeah. went a bit wrong. So you know he shot you for the he shot for the what's the saying? He shoot he shoot for the stars, but he well it certainly didn't hit the stars anyway. No. He went, he were far from it. But but yeah, it's 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 yeah. not some. I, I do um, kind of agree with what you what you're saying. It's not something. That we're I proud think it's about the rules, setting the rules in place. It's not fair on fans. You know, obviously, you know, if, if you lose your football club, look at like I don't know, Stockport County. Somewhere. It's not that fair on those fans that kind of have to have to kind of suffer the losses and all that kind of stuff and kind of fall through the divisions. But hopefully, there can be some proper governance in place so um, owners don't get away from it scot free. Exactly. Now we're obviously going on to your manager, Steve Cottrell. Um, it was he's been there just over a year now um, yeah. I mean first of all what did you think of his appointment when he when he signed last year yeah it was interesting wasn't it because a lot, a lot of clubs in the EFL often debate between going for that experienced manager or that younger manager yeah and um, the younger manager worked really well for us with Paul Hurst we finished third and would have got promoted if it wasn't for a couple of clubs I'm um, spending meg- mega butts again that's why I'm a little bit bitter um, <laughs> so we struggled we nearly went up that year um, and then we got a younger man a younger kind of up-and-coming manager um, and then we got another up-and-coming manager with Sam Ricketts, and it didn't go very well at all. Um, over the last few years, we've won a third of our games, and a third of our games we haven't scored in. Right, okay. So, you know, 
I think actually in some ways Shrewsbury fans would probably be happy if we went down and went came back up a bit like, you know, Baggies fans or, you know, you hear about fans, you know, go down into the championship, enjoy the season because you win every week. Yeah. Um, we've It's been very bleak for us. Um, so when we got Steve Cottrell, it was almost, well, we keep trying this younger manager option. It hasn't worked. So yeah, why not? Let's get a, um, a, an experienced manager. Yeah. Um, and then also he's in his first month, he went manager of the month. So that was such a, that was a great, great start. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, um, how's he been faring then since he, since he's coming? Are you, are you happy with like his, the style of play that he, that he likes to play, like the plays he's brought in, etc.? It's very, very complicated because you've got, he started so well, we looked like we were destined to go down. And then we have um, him, the manager, get COVID and oh, nearly yeah. dies he's in hospital and he's in intensive care and on oxygen. And then he comes back and it's great. Everyone's really happy. The fans put money together, crowdfund a banner for him. And, you know, everyone's really happy for him to come back. He he tells us the story that he went through and everyone's kind of like really excited. Then also people look back and go, well, when he was manager, you know, we were on almost like playoff form when he was around the club with a bunch of players that weren't his own. So everyone's getting quite excited. You know, we could maybe push, you know, not not saying we're trying to win the league when the players we think, you know, we'll have a nice season. We'll win half our games, draw some, lose some, but actually, you know, go to the game thinking you might actually win a game because it's been that bleak for us the last few years. And then the summer transfer window starts really well. We sign a couple of decent players. And then for, for the whole of August, we didn't sign one permanent sign in. Right. Okay. We signed two loans players that have both been really poor. Like Sam Cosgrove has been one of the worst loan signings we've ever had. Um, there's, there's a rumor that's well, someone thinks that's a friend of one of the guys that comes on our podcast is convinced that it was money laundering because no way is he worth 1.5 million. He's that bad. Really? He is atrocious footballer. But apparently Birmingham paid, paid gave him 20k a week and paid 1.5 million for him. So basically, what happened was the transfer window was an absolute disaster. In the last few weeks, we've had one or two pros on the bench. Really? That's it. We had is, that down playing... to in, is that down to injuries? or It's because of really small squad. We start the season, we play with three central midfielders on a number 10 with yeah. a, in a five, like a three-five-two formation or three-four-one-two formation. And we had no number 10 and two central midfielders. So we've had, we played, but Lou Lee, who's a left back, has played central field. He's actually really done really, really well. Now, it's really, really, it's complex because the players we signed have been absolutely phenomenal. Like um, Scott and um, um, George Nurse um, from um, Bristol City has been absolutely brilliant. Lee He from Bristol Rovers has been absolutely fantastic. The through ball that he did for the first goal um, against, um, on, on, against, who did we play? Fleetwood. I've forgotten who we just played against, against. Yeah, against Fleetwood was absolutely phenomenal through ball behind the fullback. So he's done really well. We've signed some really, really good player. Elliot Bennett's been good. So every signing we've made has been really, really good apart from the loanies. Um, but the trouble is we've just got really, really light. You go into a season with seven recognised strikers and two central midfielders and no one really who's a recognised right back. Yeah. Um, that so it's all about squad building so that's why it's really complex and then what happened is we started losing all the games and Steve Cottrell has a reputation for getting very very aggressive with the media right and if you imagine with, I don't know what it's like with your local media but I imagine you have affinity with them they're the guys that stay there long term everyone loves like you know the commentator who does the interviews the yeah. local reporters got a lot of fans and then the manager started attacking them literally attacking them in the press conferences so we were losing games he was getting really hostile attacking the media um and then it just started to turn to a bit of a car crash. Yeah, because I'm looking at the start of the season. Obviously, you know, you went your first four games, four defeats, and you'd not even scored a goal in those four games. Yeah, you know, you, you we then... went, I can't remember if it was 10% of the season without scoring a goal. Right, okay. It was bleak. So yeah. we just ticked over to about, I was sad enough to calculate it at the time, we just ticked over to 10% of the season had gone with not a goal. And then our under-18 striker, uh, 18-year-old striker who I mentioned, Tom Bloxer, scores an overhead bicycle kick. And doesn't get goal of the week. A, a really tame effort from a Sunderland player gets oh, goal of the week. Well, um, you, you know, we, it's, it's, whenever we have a, a goal in the, obviously with our fan base and what have you, it's, it's all it's all a fan. You could goal, score a it? tap in, or a ball could come off your striker's ass, and it will win um, because in sheer numbers. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I saw Morecambe try to get um, Southampton fans involved oh, um, right, to okay. win one of their goal of the months. Yeah, yeah, and actually Stockton didn't win a goal of the month when he scored from his own half. I know, I saw so, that. So yeah, I don't bother with those kind of votes anymore. <laughs> exactly. Now, I mean, just on um, 
you know, when we were talking about that at the start of the season, we obviously we played you back in uh, back in September. Uh, I mean, at the time, uh, I, I can remember, you know, looking, thinking, well, they've lost five, they've they've won one and drawn one. You know, you're down near the bottom. We're thinking this is a game that we could, uh, you know, that we should invert, you know, invert commas be winning. I think we were on a decent run at the at the time as well. Um, obviously, it was one one draw. I mean, just you said you was at that game, weren't you? As, yeah. As well. I mean, um, you know. That game for me, it was one of those where you know we scored an early goal. Saido Berahino. Now, people that listen to this podcast will realise that he's an absolute shower of shite, uh, and you know my thought, my thoughts on him. But he scored that goal that early on. We got the penalty. Barry Bannon misses, and the whole game kind of turned on its head from that point. I've, I've, just before I started recording, I said that you know I thought we were going to win four or five nil, and you said you know no one ever beats us four or five five nil. I mean, what what were your take on uh, on that game? Um, so obviously, yeah, at the time, the like I said, you, you, you were yeah. We, we had to start the season very well. We'd beaten Gillingham and we drew with Crew, who are obviously an abysmal side, and we've lost to Doncaster as well. Like we seem to do really badly. We do badly against the the teams now at the bottom, and we we managed to do well against the teams at the, uh, the near the top. So you know we've got we've got a decent record against Sunderland in the last few years. We're really good at kind of turning for those big events. And um, the reason I say was no one's going to beat us four or five. No, uh, we beat. Um, Cheltenham at home 3-1 with 10 men um, yeah. we're, the one thing that you could never say about this team is that they don't work hard and work for the manager so the, the, the thing that's the kind of the kind of the foundation of this team is hard work and organisation and that's why for me even if even if you know, we conceded or you know, gone down to 10 men we have not shipped we've only lost games by single goals because we work so hard and we're really well organized that's why i never really any fear that we're going to kind of get absolutely annihilated and even in fa cup game um in previous years a lot of fans been really worried about going into an fa cup tie against a non-league side and um, being knocked out we've been knocked out by non-league sides in the past but with this side there's like an air of professionalism and an air of experience and grit which means that we can go to you know Sheffield Wednesday with yeah your I'd gone knows how much you're probably spending maybe four five times maybe six ten times more money on, on wages than we are ten report, reported about ten million pound a year yes and we're probably spending two and a half something yeah. like that um, so yeah but for me that penalty as you said was the key um, yeah. that penalty and then after that it was just yeah really frustrating I imagine it was a very frustrating game Sheffield Wednesday Sheffield Wednesday fans were so quiet at that game we're always think, quiet honestly yeah, it's one of my really, books, my book it was bears, really yeah. surprising you know you hear about other teams like you hear about some rumours stuff like like I will say Newcastle fans are not as good as they their reputation besieges them Yeah, but I was so surprised how quiet you are the thing is and as then, well it's strange because it, we always say that if we get an early goal that, that kind of sets the sets the tempo and I think if that goal goes in uh, then you know the penalty that Barry Bannon misses yeah. I think it would be a totally different game you know like the atmosphere would probably be one of the best atmospheres and what yeah. have you but the fact that that didn't go in and then we were chased well it were almost like Barry Bannon were trying to make amends for his mistake which just kind of yeah. unraveled all the good work that we'd done and then you know Bailey Peacock Farrell decides to drop the ball and um, yeah you capitalised on that which again yeah. didn't, didn't really help the, the situation no, no, it was a funny game. It's one of those games, isn't it, where it just yeah, it just kind of gets away from you. And yeah, we managed to get that goal, and yeah, managed to get a good point for us. Uh, really, quite a bleak period as well. Obviously, you know, we, as I said, we had only scored, you know, spent such a long time about scoring, um, and then yeah, picked a point. And yeah, well, I wouldn't say that was that game was a, a big game for us. Um, but if, you know, went and won the next game after that, and then we lost to Wickham, so we weren't really kind of getting in kind of form. But yeah, yeah it was a, it was, a, it was for me, it just shows how like organised and how the, the grit that we have in this side. I mean, speaking about form, uh, you've, you've in recent weeks, you've, uh, you've you know, the form has turned around. I'm just looking in your last five games, you've won three and lost two. You know, the two that you've lost against Wigan and and narrowly against Doncaster as well. But you know. Two wins on the bounce against Cheltenham that you've mentioned and, and Fleetwood. Um, is there a reason? Do you, do you think why that you've had that turn in form, or is it just a case of just is what it is? Yeah, we we we, we so basically the managers in the preseason worked really heavily on fitness, uh, and as I said, you know we didn't have a lot of players. So what happened is as we started to lose players, we had at one point then we had five strikers playing different positions, including right wing back and central midfield. It was a bit of a mess. So now we've kind of got our that the inverted commas best squad back. Yeah. So we've got people playing in kind of their natural positions as a real balance to the team at the moment. And basically what's happened is a young lad and we signed from, um, from, 
Telford a few years ago, kind of 25 now. And we were really surprised he got a new contract in the summer because one of those strikers that kind of works really hard, but his goal to his goal to his goal to minute ratio was like 500 minutes per goal. <laughs> oh, okay, he was really really poor, and he got a new contract, and everyone was surprised why he did that. And in the last eight games, he scored something like four or five goals and about three assists. On um, on in the last game, he went past two players, cut the ball back for Vela to score, and then Vela set him up, and he did an absolute. Um, well, the best way to describe it is a thunder bastard hit. You know, he hits it so hard, the burst <laughs> yeah. ball almost burst, and it hit the crossbar and went in. Yeah, and they're, they're the best goals. Abs- yeah, it was absolutely amazing. So we've got players that have really turned up and form. And we've also got players back from injury, which has meant that we've been able to have a bit of a more settled side. Um, and that's the most frustrating part. Literally, you had three first-team players to this team and we'd be top half quite comfortably, I think. Yeah. I mean, obviously, on expectations, I mean, what was your expectation at the start of the season and and, and has that changed, you know, to where we are now? I mean, last season you finished, what, 17th? You currently yeah. lie, you know, just in uh, 18th position, I think you're in at the moment. Yeah, yeah something like that, just above the year, about four or five points above the relegation zone at the moment. Yeah, so, you know, what, what was your expectation at the start? Was you just wanted to, like, push on from that um, 17th last season? Yeah, my genuine expectation was um, to finish mid-table, and to build a foundation to try and push on, to try and do something in the season after. And then when I said by do something, have a playoff push or something like that, Yeah. Um, which I obviously very, very tough in this division. But, you know, Wickham can do it, Burton have done it in previous years. And there's no reason why you can't do it. There's always one team that kind of has a bit of a run. And for me, that was all this expectation this year. Now, going into the season, the fact we didn't sign anyone, and kind of my expectations changed dramatically yeah. to the point of where, well, at one point we were almost saying, does the manager need to go? Because he was responsible for recruitment. It was so bad. And also he'd done this already at Bristol City, exactly what he did with Bristol City in the Championship. Tried to sign players that we couldn't really get and then have no one. So, yeah, so that expectation's kind of plummeted to basically avoid relegation where they are right now. So, fingers crossed, you know, if we win on, if we win um, on our next game on Wednesday, we could be eight points clear of the relegation zone and yeah. start climbing to mid table. Um, so, for me, we're still in that kind of mid table relegation kind of um, area. Yeah. I mean, you've already touched on like slightly on your style of play, you said, oh, let's play like a, a 3 5. Three, five, two, or something yeah. like that—a variation. Yeah. Um, I mean, what is that? Something that uh, Cottrell kind of sticks by, and what would you say? Like the, is it is it more of a you know free flowing passing game of football that you like to play? Long ball. What what's it? What's it like to watch? We can do both, which is quite encouraging. So last season we played very direct defensive counter attacking football. We still have that in the locker. At the start of the season, we tried to play more passing fair but it didn't really work because we hadn't really got the players and we were stopping and changing too often so we kind of basically reverted a bit more to kind of counter-attacking and I would call it direct Um, we kind of direct a bit like rugby in some ways we tried to get the ball down the channels to try and win the ball further at the pitch and then when we're in the final third we will try and pass the ball or try and get the ball in the box so we'll try things we'll play triangles and kind of get the ball behind your fullbacks Um, we'll either play it down the channel sometimes play it through the middle the one thing like you can give Steve Cottrell, you know, can be a bit, bit he's very, very aggressive if we lose. Um, he can be a bit of a, a character, to put it one way, um, you know, after the game, if we haven't done very well. But one thing you can't say about him is his tactical kind of nuance in the game is fantastic. Yeah. You know, we'll change formation, we'll go to a flat pack four, we'll change formation, we'll make changes in the game. But also the setup for the game is really good. So yeah. he'll, him and his team will prepare for a game and the game plan will work. So like loads of games we've had this season where we kind of go in with a clear game plan and it's really fun as a fan who kind of likes that kind of side of football, the tactical side, yeah. you can see what we're doing and it often works. Um, so that's the positive. That's the thing about this. That's the it's complex. It's got some really strong positives for the manager yeah. and some really strong negatives at the same time. But yeah, we play, we'll put, we can play passing football against Wigan in the first half. We played some amazing passing football. Yeah. Really play really playing out from the back and then we'll just switch it another time so we can play both. Excellent. Um have you any any injury concerns ahead of uh, Sunday's game? Obviously I know you've got there's an, there's a game in between that. Um but any anything kind of No, we've got quite a few players coming back. So our captain Ebank Ebanks Landall, central central defender is back now and he played um, in the last game, so that was good. Um Bowman um, got injured and he's back as well. So quite a few players who are injured. We had a few suspensions as well. We've had, we've had three red cards this season as well. Maybe it's the four red cards we've had this season. At one point we had twice as many red cards as away points <laughs> right, after twelve okay. games. Um, um, so 
Is that a bit of a concern, like discipline, or is that? I think no. I think he was really unlucky. Really, he had um, a young he blocked some young eighteen lad and put his head into an experienced defender who wound him up. Um, Then Davies was sent off for a bit of a lunge, which wasn't really a red card. So we think we've been unlucky. We've appealed a few of them. Um, Some of them have not been overturned, but I think we've been a bit unlucky to be fair with red cards. Um, But the funny thing is, actually, with ten men, we've got some good results. Yeah, so, so is that a bit of a game plan then? Yeah, it's not it's not an ideal game plan, but it certainly helped work. But the trouble with the tank that then what happened obviously when you've got a small squad, um, and I'm a bit worried is that by the time we play you, we'll probably be quite low on reserves because we don't have you know, you've basically got two teams that you can swap and change and, and, and bring players in, plus yeah. obviously the, the wealth of your academy and where we just don't have that. So these kind of games, as much as you know, Jurgen Klopp and likes to complain about you know the size of his squad and games. In this period, big teams with bigger squads and budgets obviously have a huge advantage. Yeah, obviously the thing we've um, thing of us we haven't played for for a while due to COVID. Oh, okay. we've, had, we've had the last two games uh, have been we've been quite lucky with that. We haven't we haven't um, we haven't had any cancelled. Yeah, we've had uh, the Fleetwood game got got called off. Uh, that was just before Christmas. We've got the Burton game on Boxing Day. That was also called off. We play Sunderland on Thursday. They've just had three positive COVID cases apparently. So. Um, Understandable, really, when they've uh, when they've only played yesterday. So two games in three days. It's <laughs> called me a cynic, but uh, it sounds like they're uh, that game might be off on on Thursday. So we we've not played for a while, so we've had um, you know COVID in the in the camp as well. Nothing's been said. How as, many COVID cases have you had? Uh, it's not been released. No, not um, been announced. No. Yeah, it's not been announced. So we don't know who or how many it's been. Um, but you know, it's that's a bit of a you know up in the air in terms of like. You know how we're going to fare in terms of because obviously if you can you you have to have just fourteen players, don't you, to be able yeah. to play the game? So yeah, it's a bit of a yeah. You haven't played since eleventh December, which is yeah, quite yeah. A while it's, ago, it's, no. it's a while, and you know that in terms of home games, as well, I'm just I'm just looking. You know, we we're over a month into you know since our last home game, and it feels like ages since we've uh, since we've actually played. But yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see what team we put out. I honestly couldn't couldn't say what. Um, who we're gonna who we're gonna play on on Sunday? Um, going to nail you down to a prediction then. So um, obviously, like I said, like we just spoke about, you've come into some some decent form. Um, obviously, playing at your place on on Sunday. What what's uh, what's your score prediction? I'm going to go for a, because of your COVID hit. I was going to go for a draw before, but given you haven't played for a while. And you might have a few COVID hit. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win to Shrewsbury. 2-1 win. There we go. <laughs> now, um, Ollie, just want to uh, let everyone know where we can where we can find you on social media, etc. Yeah, so it's quite simple. It's Salopcast um, on on Twitter, and yeah, and our podcast is on all the normal all the normal um, yeah feeds. Um, so yeah, we've been going through about five years now. Fantastic, great stuff. Well, uh, Ollie, thank you very much for uh, taking the time out to, to join us and uh, obviously all the best for the rest of the season. Hopefully not too great on Sunday, but, no. uh, but you know. <laughs> yeah, good good, good luck good luck to you guys. Um, hope you guys have a Merry Christmas and yeah, wish all your fans a Happy New Year. Fantastic, same to you. Cheers, Ollie. Cheers, mate. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.